Morning, sleepy. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You were sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So, McDonald's? I could use a cafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that? Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have within you the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way, with new eyes. So stay with us and together we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today is Buddha and Christ. And before we begin, I'd like to give some credit to the founder of the Lucis Trust organization, Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey uh, wrote 24 volumes of literature, and the main inspiration for the dialogue that you'll hear on this show emanates from the works of Alice Bailey, as does the following thought. The mass intent of humanity is that evil must end, and a better and truer life become possible. At the moment of greatest tension, and difficulty, the demand goes forth, response comes. The avatar appears, and light pours in, making the way clear. Well, let's find out more about uh, Buddha and Christ. Uh, I guess we're doing a little bit of a comparative uh, study here. We hear, uh, we hear the word avatar a lot these days. Were the Buddha and Christ avatars? And if so, what was their function? Yes, there are examples of avatars. Um, Maybe it would be useful, first of all, to explain what the word means. It's a Sanskrit word, and it means um, literally coming down from far away. It implies in that um, definition, I think, protection from above, divine protection being um, anchored or transmitted through an avatar. Avatar is one of those words that's become kind of popular, and uh, it's entered the common uh, language of the day in ways that I find kind of appalling. I've heard of even restaurants being um, named after uh, the word avatar, mm-hmm. and maybe I have no sense of humor, but these are d- deeply sacred concepts, uh, like samadhi. That's another word that people casually toss around. An avatar is a a sacred, deeply realized spiritual being. And the Buddha and the Christ are what are called in the writings of Alice Bailey transmitting avatars, which is an interesting concept. There are various grades of avatars, and they 
she says, were two supreme examples of beings who were able to transmit or manifest qualities or expressions of divinity. Uh, and these avatars, she says, come forth at uh, moments of um, change, of crisis, of movement from one cycle to another, when humanity is at a, a particularly acute crossroads and in need of new direction, uh, they embody in themselves or they exemplify the new quality that's needed by humanity as a whole. An avatar, as I understand it, is one who is able, by coming down from far away, to anchor on earth within humanity a quality that previously had not been there. And the coming down from far away doesn't mean that they have coming from some other planet or some other system. They have been right here all along, but they're far away. They tend to be far away in consciousness. Um, but they are able to um, um, come in at a time when humanity's own consciousness is at a point of tension, when uh, it, they are at the greatest point of need. Mm -hmm. And need is what brings them forth. Right. The opening thought said that um, the demand goes forth and response comes. It's... Uh, it's a matter of invocation and evocation, and uh, we've talked about that before, and the power of invocation, and that's why uh, the great invocation that we sound at the end of these programs uh, is so important, because that is one of the major tools that humanity has at, at its disposal to invoke these uh, great beings and the energies that they provide. I suppose, in a sense, we can't have what we don't ask for. And by generating the urge or the aspiration for the particular quality of divinity that is um, embodied in the avatar, we have reached a stage, we, humanity, have reached a stage of readiness to receive that energy. Uh, for example, the Buddha came at a time when, according to the religious scholar Karen Armstrong, um, there was a great change and um, questioning, very similar to today's period, in what she called the axial age. Axial being from the word axis. It was again a time uh, uh, of a pivot point when humanity was um, moving into a new cycle of consciousness, a new um, system of governing itself, and particularly in countries, um, I think she named four of them, China, Iran, or per Persia, um, Greece, and India. And the Buddha came in rebellion uh, against the Orthodox uh, and kind of crystallized um, beliefs and doctrines of the Hinduism of his time. And then 500 years later, uh, we see the Christ coming in and doing much the same thing for the um, uh, Middle Eastern countries and for the uh, for the Jewish people, mm -hmm. and uh, which then, of course, it spread to the European continent. So, in a sense, they were rebels. I mm -hmm. suppose you could say they were rebelling against a system of religious um, 
teaching and practice that had become empty and barren in that time. And I think it's important for all of us to realize that the um, the work that these two great avatars did is a combined effort, even though they came 500 years apart, uh, roughly. Uh, it was a combined piece of work, and um, it's ongoing. It's still ongoing, and the work, their work is not yet completed. We've talked about that in our program mm-hmm. on Vesak, the great Buddhist festival, that their work continues. And the religions that were founded around their work and in their name are not really, they have been developed as two distinct religions, but uh, I think it's high time that we see them as one work, really, because um, it's essentially, it is one work that they are doing. Yes, I suppose if you regard religion as a, a human construction, essentially, our, to the best of our ability, a religion is our grasp of what we think divine will and intent is, but on the level of the transcendent great beings uh, who have passed beyond the human experience, I don't think they see the barriers of different religions like we do, and uh, that's one of the most joyful aspects of the ageless wisdom. I think that the presentation of the work of the Buddha and the Christ as the work of two brothers, as they're called, who cooperate together and um, form, in a sense, a a team effort. The Buddha was the one who broke through the veil of glamour or fog or um, desire that humanity had lived in for so long by letting in the light of the mind. And his four noble truths embody really three, three D's: uh, detachment, discrimination, and dispassion. He taught his followers that uh, the whole problem of human suffering is hinged on desire, that we desire emotionally, and that we desire the wrong things. We desire that which is material, and therefore must pass away. And he taught that by freeing oneself from the emotional grip of desire and facing reality with the light of the mind, we are able to liberate ourselves. Be a lamp unto your own feet, he said. You have the light within you. And we have that light within us because he, as an avatar, anchored this divine quality in human experience. He was the first to really make that that breakthrough when he sat under the Bodhi tree for 40 days and arose only when he had achieved his illumination. And his very name, Buddha, means the awakened one or the illumined one. And then Christ uh, continued that work and um, brought forth the uh, uh, and embodied the great love of God and the attractive, uplifting power of love, and uh, that also was uh, an effort to um, uh, dissipate the many illusions of the mind that we have created. And humanity was just at that point when the mind was beginning to awaken. And so uh, the emphasis was upon love and uh, 
lifting oneself up in redemption and because he said, as you know, uh, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And um, I, I think sometimes that has added to the illusions that um, one has to uh, join, the church. join the church, one has to follow <coughs> Christ, or if you don't follow Christ, then you're going to be lost. And uh, But I don't think that's what Christ really meant. Mm. He meant... Uh, um, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me, unto the Christ within. The Christ principle, which mm. is the soul. And it's represented by the great love of God. That is the power that lifts one up. And each one of us can find that same great power within us. Interestingly, though, the, the work of the Buddha, or the, the achievement and the breakthrough of the Buddha, was necessary as a... Uh, a foundation and a, a preliminary step to the Christ's work because power of clarity is necessary to realize in one's spiritual life before one can become an expression of love. We might think of love as a purely emotional force, spiritual even higher than clarity of mind. It's It exists on a level of... Uh, the intuition of pure reason, it's transcendent of even the mind. But to reach that state of perfect, pure love with mind and to be um, use the mind as a bridge, a passageway to that pure, transcendent state of love, as God loves us, kind of love, not no attachment, many of us mistake for love. So the Buddha set the stage, you could say, for the Christ's work, and the Christ then carried the possibility for all human evolution forward in his example of perfect, pure love. For those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Inner Sight, our topic for today, Buddha and Christ. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a comparison of, of both and uh, also attempting to find the uh, the great commonality between uh, Buddha and Christ. Um, uh, we need your help, and we ask you to send donations if you can. Uh, actually, I think that if every one of our listeners out there sent the dollar in, we could uh, probably stay on the whole year. But uh, we welcome all donations. We uh, really uh, need to pay for this radio show. It's uh, expensive, and I think it's worth it. It covers a lot of territory, but we certainly need your help. Uh, so we'll draw a small donation to helping us to pay for this radio show and keeping it on the air. Many of you have expressed uh, that you value the show, that you think we're talking about uh, the right ideas, and well, we, many of you label the show as being uplifting. So if you, if you enjoy the show, as many people do, just uh, see if you can Help us out. Help us to stay on the air. And uh, you can send donations to Lucis Trust, L-U-C-I-S, 120 Street, New York, New York, 10005. Once again, that's Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. We also have a, a general package of information that we'll be happy to send out to you if you're uh, interested in our organization, we speak every week about uh, subjects that uh, are within the Alice Bailey literature. And uh, more uh, information on the show, on Lucis on Lucis Trust, 58247, our books, our cassettes, or a schedule of our meditation meetings, or a package 
Once again, that package of general information, you'll find literature in it uh, that's uh, uplifting and uh, will also define what Lucis Trust is and how you can find out more about us or perhaps join us in, in meetings if you'd like to. Uh, once again, for the general package of information uh, or for radio cassettes, give us a call, 1-866-695-8247. Way to remember it is NYLUCIS. Think of one 866 New York Lucis. Our website, www. Lucis Trust. If, uh, as uh, very often humanity has wrong desires, desires that are sometimes self defeating, uh, what would do you think, what would Buddha have said about uh, uh, what we should desire? I wonder how can one speak for the Buddha, but here I go. I suppose he would say you have to desire your own liberation because he he spoke clearly and forcefully against the passive approach of praying to whatever god or gods uh, one thinks exist uh, overshadowing us to rescue yourself. You have to liberate yourself. And not just because he thought tough love was a good idea. It's not that. He understood that within every human being there is the the kernel or the germ of their own salvation. And this also was um, demonstrated by the Christ. That's what's so interesting to me and so hard to convey, um, for me to convey, uh, about an avatar. They come embodying a certain divine principle that by their embodiment and anchoring of it in human experience somehow quickens and awakens that principle within all humanity. And the Buddha's breakthrough uh, in his enlightenment was a demonstration of what each of us, every human being, can and must achieve. And so he would say, give up desire for material things, give up desire for the world of form and substance because everything dies, everything disintegrates. This is a, a fundamental principle of Buddhism. But what endures is the ocean of being and that one is inevitably an aspect, a fragment of that ocean of being, and liberation enables one to recognize that one already exists. There's a, a Buddha in that ocean. There's a Buddhist concept of um, rowing oneself uh, from uh, one shore to the other as uh, achieving or reaching nirvana, but in fact, when one reaches that other shore, one realizes there is no other shore. It is all present right here now, but we have to awake to it. And the Buddha's very name means I am awake. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why he um, didn't emphasize even a, a belief in, in God or a deity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that very belief system would also be an, a hindrance mm -hmm. to uh, that enlightenment that we all should be seeking. It would be uh, a motivation to seek something outside oneself. I'm not saying that we are gods. We are not but the, we are made by God and that divine essence exists within us and is the means of our own liberation. 
And uh, I know that this is one reason, one of the criticisms they have of Buddhism that um, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a god. They don't believe in God. Or at least mm-hmm. that's the, the the belief among outsiders that uh, they um, they don't believe in God. So uh, why should we uh, follow this path? But that very belief sets up a barrier because it narrows one's thinking down to a belief system. Mm-hmm. And uh, that stands in the way of uh, eventual enlightenment. So it's it's a, um, a thing that uh, it's a very interesting approach that uh, we have to accept uh, about the Buddha. Yes, the the Buddha believed firmly and deeply and unflaggingly in the capacity of every human being to be a lamp unto his own feet, and. I think by that teaching he expressed enormous confidence in and respect for the dignity of the human being, as did the Christ. He he also um, taught that every individual is precious, but every individual has responsibility to the larger whole and does not exist as an island or a separated unit. So the Christ took the Buddha's teaching and carried it a step further in the sense that he taught the inevitability of brotherhood. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And he said, love thy neighbor as thyself. I think that's a very interesting command to meditate upon. Love thy neighbor as thyself, not as much as thyself, but as thyself, as a reflection of and a, a mirror image of oneself. Everyone around us is mirroring back to us the same humanity and the same nascent and potential divinity. Therefore, he said, love one another. And these are so familiar teachings that they fall on the ear with a kind of... Um, lack of uh, magnetism because they are so familiar and yet they contain the deepest possible truths within them. But I think those, yes, I agree, those truths have been so, over the centuries, been so clouded over by all the um, illusions and and the glamours that we have created around uh, Christian Christian teachings, uh, the Christ teachings and the Buddhist teachings and whole doctrines have been um, created around them that really uh, kind of deflect our thinking about these basic truths mm-hmm. and deflect our our right action taken and i think that's one of the things that we have to to dispel and to give up and um, to uh, dissipate these are the things that are blocking the light and uh, the illusions and glamours that uh, they came into the world expressly to attack and um, to help dissipate, help show us how we could dissipate them ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting that there's um, such an emotional fog that surrounds the whole concept of love because, in fact, love is um, the great revealer. Love uh, and light are so similar. It's said in the Bible that the Christ knew what was in man. And he knew what was in man because he loved. Love is the means by which, 
which we see into another person's heart. We talked about this in a recent program. Enter into thy brother's heart and see his woe. Then speak. The Christ knew what was in man because he loved. And love is what reveals another human being to us. So again, both the Buddha and the Christ brought revelation and by enacting and demonstrating that revelation, they were showing what we too can achieve. And that revelation is not yet fully realized. I mean, there's more to come. And this is why we have to work at the dissipation and uh, uh, revelation must be stage. I think the present time of confusion, so much questioning, and, um, uh, a loss of additional values, probably a sign that we are clearing the way for next teaching, the next avatar, because um, there has to be an interlude of, of uh, release and letting go and probably inevitably confusion before one can be ready for the next dispensation, so to speak. So I see the present time, confusing and troubling as it is, as very creative and auspicious. I don't see it as bad, because the old crystallized systems have to go, and then something new can come in. What the new embodiment of the coming avatar will be, we don't know except that it will have something to do with the spiritual will, according to Alice Bailey. It's the very will of God that is working out here, and uh, these two great avatars are, in fact, uh, doing. That's why they come into the world, to do the will of God and to uh, put forth what that will uh, is calling for. Can you imagine, uh, when you think about it, what the consequences might be of a greater understanding and a greater capacity to wield the spiritual will. I mean, most of us can't even stop smoking or lose five pounds, but just imagine if we could express the spiritual will in a way that would um, enable uh, us to achieve a resolution to the conflict in the Middle East, put an end to the terrible poverty of the world, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the mind races. Those are targets that are deeply in need of the spiritual will. And what we need, I suppose, is an example of the possibility which an avatar can anchor and then we can begin to develop. And those examples of the Middle East are, um, I think, why this problem is coming to the surface right now because it's a kind of a final... Uh, uh, exam, if you will, or a challenge to uh, finally make the grade, finally achieve uh, the relationships that must be worked out. Morning, sleepy. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You're sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So, McDonald's? I could use my cafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that? Morning, sleepy. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You're sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So, McDonald's? I could use my cafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. 
Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that?